Hello everyone, this is a TJPS special report. This is a prolonged episode. The Jeremiah Patterson Show presents the I Word. So the I Word is something that is talked about a lot. For those of you wondering what the I Word is, it's impeachment. Should the president be impeached or should he not? Only three previous presidents in the past were impeached, including Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but first, many people think that Nixon was impeached, but in fact, Nixon resigned on August 9th, 1974, due to the Watergate scandal. Clinton was impeached because of a sexual scandal with Monica Lewinsky. Senate.gov reports President Andrew Johnson clashed repeatedly with the Republican-controlled Congress over reconstruction of the defeated South. There was never a settled agreement with the Republican-controlled Congress and the Johnson administration. I mean, it's kind of like Trump, right? He can't agree with the Democratic-controlled Congress. Another thing that I want to mention here if, is, if, if you didn't already know this, is that the House can impeach, but the Senate has to approve. So this is one of the main reasons why Nancy Pelosi is not bothering it, and also because we are still gathering evidence. Many people are saying the Mueller report has concluded, so why can't we impeach? So Congress is deciding if this is enough for them to make an impeachable offense. But once again, the Democratic-controlled Congress can impeach, but the Republican-controlled Congress, but excuse me, the Republican-controlled Senate, they may not, what, but with the Republican-controlled Senate, they may not get anywhere. And what the American people also have to realize here is that if Trump is impeached, Mike Pence will become president. And if Mike Pence is removed, then Nancy Pelosi will become president of the United States. So if the House decides so if the House decides not to impeach, it is then up to the American people in 2020 to choose someone that they think will not obstruct justice or ask another country to interfere with our elections. When 2020 Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg was asked by Chris Matthews, what would, what would you do if you met Putin? Buttigieg replied, don't mess with our elections, and the crowd went cheering and clapping. I think it's amazing that the Democratic Party is putting more, more people on the list for president, because in 2016, the Democrats only put Hillary Clinton in. But now we have every single Democrat possible running for president to make sure that Trump does not win in 2020. Here is Farron Cousins on impeachment. Donald Trump's stupidity is never going to stop astounding me. A great example is what's been taking place this entire week. See, early in the week, Donald Trump was asked point blank if he is worried about impeachment. And he said, nope, not at all. Not a concern in the world. I'm good. And then he literally spent the rest of the week complaining about impeachment or the possibility of impeachment, or Democrats investigating him, indicating that this is a man who isn't going one second of the day without thinking about impeachment. And in fact, on Wednesday, he actually tweeted out that I swear if they impeach me, I'm gonna fight this all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, here's his tweet. The Mueller report, despite being written by angry Democrats and Trump haters, and with unlimited money behind it, $35 million, didn't lay a glove on me. I did nothing wrong. If the partisan Dems ever tried to impeach, I would first head to the U.S. Supreme Court. Not only are there no high crimes and misdemeanors, there are no crimes by me at all. <clears throat> first of all, 
uh, Manafort had to surrender $42 million in assets. So technically the Mueller probe made a profit. So stop talking about the cost because that makes you look like an idiot. Second of all, the Supreme Court is not going to have any say in any kind of impeachment hearing whatsoever based on a 1993 ruling that the Supreme Court actually made. They can't do anything about it, buddy. How about you look at some case law? How about you have a legal advisor that actually knows the law working for you or on your legal team? Because in 1993, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to get involved in an impeachment case that was allegedly brought for political purposes, but they said, hey, it, this, isn't, uh, this isn't our arena. This isn't something we can handle. We can't do anything about this. Best of luck on your future endeavors. The Supreme Court's own precedent says that they can't get involved. Now, if the House Democrats did choose to impeach and then it went over to the Senate for trial, John Roberts, Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, would preside over that. But believe it or not, even though he is a massive corporatist and he does seem to hate civil rights, John Roberts has actually been fairly reasonable on a couple of rulings. And he is not the always guaranteed right-wing voter that Republicans think he will be. Because after all, these judges, not just on the Supreme Court, but any of them with these lifetime appointments, they got nothing to lose. It doesn't matter if they flip sides. They're there for life. And you can't remove them just because they vote in a way that you don't want. As I've said many times, all of these legal challenges that Trump is threatening to bring or has brought, they're not going to end well for him because one, he doesn't understand the law, but more importantly, he's surrounding himself with lawyers who don't understand the law. They understand Donald Trump, they understand how to make him happy, make him feel good, make him feel better about himself, but they don't understand how to argue a case. And that's a very real problem for a man facing as many legal issues as Donald Trump is. But back to his insane tweet here. Mueller report did not exonerate you. It, it specifically mentions 10 instances where you obstructed justice. And that is up to Congress to decide whether or not to move forward with charges against you on. It's not up to your attorney general, it's up to Congress. And even though some of the most prominent Democrats in Congress said, nope, we're not going to go that route, I think they might start to rethink that pretty soon. Because they understand that even though they have no chance of removing you from office, they certainly do have a chance of damaging you significantly before the 2020 election, forcing you to go through that election as an impeached president. Not to mention the fact that the other investigations they are carrying out um, could also lead to further impeachment. Hell, you may be the first president to ever be impeached twice. That'd be a first for all of these different things you've committed. The obstruction of justice, the potential bank fraud, wire fraud, tax fraud, all of the things that the Democrats in the House of Representatives are investigating, and all of the things that Republicans should have investigated long before they ever agreed to even let you run in their party. But they didn't vet you and now they're stuck with you. And you, Mr. Trump, are the symbol of the Republican Party. Greed, arrogance, and unbridled stupidity. So in my opinion, impeachment doesn't really bother Trump. 
Now, you're probably thinking, if that doesn't, then what does? Well, Politico reports Pelosi tells Democrats she wants to see Trump in prison. And it goes on to say, Speaker Nancy Pelosi told senior Democrats that she'd like to see the president, excuse me, that she'd like to see President Donald Trump, quote, in prison as she clashed with White House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler in a meeting last Tuesday night over whether to launch impeachment proceedings against the president. Stay with us. Much more ahead on this special coverage of a TJPS special report. Welcome back. Trump says he would accept election help from foreign interference. Here's Chris Matthews on more of that. Donald Trump Jr. did not alert the FBI that he had received offers of Russian dirt on Hillary Clinton. Here goes. Should he have gone to the FBI when he got that email? Okay, let's put yourself in a position. You're a congressman. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I have information on your opponent. Do you call the FBI? I, I don't think it's coming from Russia. You do. I've seen a lot of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI. In my whole life, I don't. You don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office. You do whatever. Al you do. Gore got a stolen briefing book. He called the FBI. Well, that's different. A stolen briefing book. This isn't a stolen. This is somebody that said we have information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't the work FBI that way. The FBI director says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong. I thought that was the clearest bite of that interview, where he yeah. clearly said, not FBI and use the dirt, but just use the dirt. Give me a break. Right. That's obviously exactly what he would have done, and it's what he will do in the future, which is why you're right. It's open season. And then the, now the question becomes, what do we do with this information? Right. I mean, he's really going to war with his intelligence community, more so than right. ever before, saying right. the FBI director is wrong. Yesterday, he repudiated the CIA for allegedly trying to recruit somebody close to the brutal dictator of North Korea, said he wouldn't do it because he's friends with the guy. Yeah. I mean, this we've never seen anything like this in our history. Cynthia, let me talk about the Republican Party and its 9 to 1 uh, deference to this president. Uh, we're going to talk about George Will someone tonight, I think about that. Why is the Republican Party defend him no matter how outrageously shameless he is? I mean, tonight was a good example of the same. Okay, Greg, yeah, what do you say to get out of here? You talk to mob talk to George. Like, what do you, we all know we do this. What are you kidding me? Because believe it or not, I think they're worse than Donald Trump because they're not standing up for what they know is right. I mean, Donald Trump, I actually think, believes that there is nothing wrong with accepting information from from foreign governments on your on your opponent. I also don't think that it's beyond him to think it's okay to make things up and okay. use the government to take it forward. Okay, you got but, the first shot at this one. All righty, Susan. Suppose I. So that happened last week, and we have been keeping an eye on that ever since. But the question still remains, Pelosi saw that as well. Is that enough for her to bring up impeachment proceedings? Moving on from that topic here, devastating helicopter crash in New York last week. The helicopter crash crashed into the top of the building. First responders and emergency vehicles were at the scene. NTSB will investigate, Catherine Higgins, former NTSB board member, says. Uh, for those of you who don't know, NTSB stands for National Transportation Safety Board. Uh, Catherine Higgins, former NTSB board member, also says it is very unusual for a helicopter to be flying that low in Manhattan. Vice President Mike Pence says there is no indication of terrorism. President Trump has been briefed. President Trump was briefed by Deputy Press Secretary. It is likely that the pilot was killed, but that, but this is an unconfirmed report. 
But according to last week, after reports came in that were confirmation, the pilot was killed in this tragic crash. A PTSD memory from 9-11. When you hear aircraft crash and building, that strikes the PTSD memory of 9-11 for many New Yorkers, as New York Governor Cuomo described it. Stay with us on the Jeremiah Patterson Show. We have much more ahead on this special coverage. Welcome back to TJPS, a TJPS special report, a TJPS special coverage. The Guardian reports, don't bother replacing Sarah Sanders, there's no point. This is an opinion piece written by Ross Barkin. As long as Trump occupies the Oval Office, the role of press secretary is a farce and a distraction. The imminent resignation of Sarah Sanders as Donald Trump's press secretary marks yet another departure from a White House that treats chaos as its modest operandi. On the left, there is understandable crowing Sanders like her predecessor, Sean Spicer, often lied to the press and served as a mouthpiece for an administration that has made it its mission to punish immigrants and the poor. One of the most startling precedent breaking aspects of Sanders' regimen as press secretary was her decision to end the regular White House press briefings where decades of White House reporters held presidential administrations to account. Here's a short video. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right. I certainly don't think that the president at any point has done anything but condemn violence against journalists or anyone else. And he body slammed a reporter. Any guy that can do a body slam, he's my cousin. Were you lying to us at the time or were you in the dark? Uh, the president has denied and continues to deny the underlying claim. How? For the American people to trust or believe what is said here or what is said by the president? Uh, we give the very best information that we have at the time. That was just a short video uh, by The Guardian, by TheGuardian.com. We'll have that in the link description of this episode. And stay with us because next we have the upcoming Democratic debate. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be on the stage? June 26th and June 27th. Stay with us. And welcome back. NBC News announces lineup of Democrats for each night of the first 2020 debate. NBC News on Friday last week announced the lineups of Democratic presidential candidates who are appearing on stage this month on the night of the first debate of the 2020 race. The first group appearing on Wednesday, June 26 will include Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, former Representative Better Work of Texas, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, former Representative John Delaney of Maryland, Representative Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii, former Housing Secretary Julian Castro, Representative Tim Ryan of Ohio, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, and Washington Governor Jay Inslee. And the second group of 10 appearing on Thursday, June 27th will include Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Senator Kamala Harris 
of California, Vice President Joe Biden, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, Arthur Marianne Williamson, uh, Representative Eric Swalwell of California, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, Entrepreneur Andrew Yang, and Governor John Hickenlooper of Colorado. Where the candidates will stand on the stage has not, excuse me, where the candidates will stand on the stage each night has not yet been decided. Here's a short video by NBC News' Steve Kornacki. For mild to moderate eczema, there's prescription Nucrisa. It's steroid-free. Do not use if you are allergic to Nucrisa or its ingredients. Allergic reactions may occur at or near the application site. The most common side effect is application site change. Ask your doctor about Nucrisa. We now know the matchups. Who will face off on each of the two nights of the first Democratic primary debates? We're looking at 23, 24 million people. And right. for folks, frankly, it's going to be a long campaign. But for a lot of these one percenters, two percenters, their first chance in front of millions of people. So my question for you is, let's start with night one. A lot of people are already saying, well, this is a chance for Elizabeth Warren as the one sort of top tier candidate to shine. I wonder if it doesn't provide an even bigger opening without, say, a Biden or a Bernie for some of these people who are lower in the polls to break through. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, you, you can call this one the opportunity debate, the first night debate. Elizabeth Warren, there are five candidates right now, this massive Democratic field, there are five candidates right now who are really getting measurable traction in the polls. Four of them are going to be in the second night debate. Only one of them, Warren, is going to be in the first night debate. So as you say, opportunity for Warren to walk on this stage and be the biggest star on this stage and potentially own this stage. That's the upside potential for her. For these other candidates, though, they are facing different challenges. An obvious one here is Beto O'Rourke, somebody who got into this race with some uh, expectations, but really his trajectory has gone south ever since then. He's not going to be overshadowed on this stage by a Biden, by a Sanders, by a Buttigieg, by a Harris. So there is an opportunity there for a reintroduction for a Beto O'Rourke. Some of these other candidates, though, you know, John Delaney, Bill de Blasio, Julian Castro, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, Tim Ryan in particular. These are candidates right now. Remember, as this debate season and as this campaign progresses and we get into the fall, the criteria that they use to get into subsequent debates, it's going to increase. The thresholds for polling support, the thresholds for donations received are going to increase just to make the stage. So candidates like Ryan, Inslee, Gabbard, Delaney, they right now need to have some kind of a breakout performance. This is probably the best opportunity they're going to get to start getting uh, the difference for them between getting between zero and one percent in the polls, which is largely what they've been doing so far, and getting three, four, five percent. That is the difference over the next few months as this campaign progresses to being included in future debates or not. So I say opportunity debate, they're not going to be overshadowed by most of those bigger names who are leading the field right now. They're probably going to get, you know, as a lot of candidates, three or four at-bats, let's say. If one of those candidates can knock it out of the park on one of those at-bats, mm. that could be the difference between staying in this thing uh, through the fall. And also three women at that debate. But let's go to night two because that's where what arguably a lot of the heavy hitters are going to be there. There you see Joe Biden is in that debate. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris. 
I'm so curious right now, inside their war rooms per se, how this changes their strategy, that they're in a debate with so many other big-name contenders. Right. Such a, So many variables now. And, of course, look, the DNC, the way this was structured, the way this draw was structured, yeah, they were trying to get a mix and match. They were trying to get some from the top tier, some from the bottom, get a, a sort of a broad mix each night. But ultimately, it does become luck of the draw. They took the top-performing candidates. They kind of put them in a hat. Half were going to go one night, half were going to go the other. But the luck of the draw, as you say, Biden's number one in the polls right now. Sanders is number two in the polls right now. It's a it's a, a bit of a shuffle behind that, but Harris, Buttigieg, they are right up there. And again, Warren's the only other one that's really registering. So you got four of the five heavy hitters at this point are going to be on that second night stage. Obviously, Biden comes in the front runner, and the immediate question becomes specifically these other three. Does one of them, do all of them come in with a plan to directly go after Joe Biden? Does Bernie Sanders want to confront Joe Biden and try to draw a stark ideological contrast between him and say, you know, Joe Biden, you're the candidate of the establishment. This is why we need a revolution. This is why the establishment doesn't work. How does he choose? How do these others choose to engage with Biden? Yeah, and I was looking at the numbers for the big Republican debates, the first debates four, three years ago. We're looking at 23, 24 million people. And right. for folks, frankly, who aren't known except by people like us who do deep dives every day on politics, and that was just on NBC News. Uh, I think it was a couple of nights ago. So, yes, uh, the first Democratic debate will be sponsored on NBC. It'll, excuse me. It will be on NBC News, MSNBC and Telemundo at 9 p.m. Eastern on June 26th, on Wednesday, June 26th, and Thursday, June 27th. So stay tuned for that, and you do not want to miss it. Once again, the first Democratic debates will be on NBC News, MSNBC, and Telemundo on June on Wednesday, June 26th, and Thursday, June 27th. Thank you, everyone, for having... Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show, a special TJPS and the special TJPS report. I really enjoyed this and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Share this episode with a friend and continue to gather political information. Thank you and have a great day.